Hey friend, and welcome back to the Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hamilton, an interventional ninja in Southern California, mom to a three-year-old angel, a wife, a practice leader, and now a podcaster. I began recording this on a Sunday on call, so that day I went into the hospital to decompress a gallbladder for a patient with cholecystitis, and this week has been an absolute deluge of patients. My Friday was filled with angiograms and embolization cases. I had two trauma patients during the day, and by the time I was done with my interventional cases, I needed to jump onto the packs to help read diagnostic images for a few hours because we are shorthanded right now. Our practice is having some growing pains, actually. So I was chipping in when I diagnosed an arterial bleed in the small bowel. So that meant at 9 p.m. when I was meant to go home as I had planned, I stayed to do one more embolization case. Suffice it it to say, it's been a full throttle week. And I love having an occupation that still challenges me almost a decade in. It really is a joy to leave the house and rise to challenges day after day and return home feeling like I've done something every day to help alleviate suffering or even to help treat a life-threatening condition. It's been really fun to work with my teammates lately too. A couple of the techs are still new and it's fun to see them picking up more knowledge and picking up the pace. They are really like my extra set of hands. They're like a surgical first assist in my practice and in many practices like mine. It's fun to banter together during cases, and they really are there to share the joy and the pain of each day as we problem solve together. With that, let's get to episode seven of the podcast. This episode features chapter five of the book, which as you all know, has the same name as this podcast. It's called Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own with the subtitle, Finding Your Place in Medicine. Um, Chapter five is actually entitled, Welcome to Challenge. Many of you may already be acquainted with the challenge of pre-medical studies and medical school, but here's an excerpt in which I talk about the challenge of caring for the very sickest of patients. I'm going to be reading to you from page 73 to 76. Beyond the steep learning curve of training, practicing as an attending is a challenge too. Patients are sicker than they've ever been as they live longer and accumulate comorbidities. Beyond their complexity, sick sick people can be difficult and it can take an emotional toll. Recently, I had a patient with peritoneal carcinomatosis who was extremely uncomfortable. A gynecologic malignancy had spread to stud and coat the lining of her abdomen as it filled with fluid, compressing her organs and bowel. This process can even cause bowel obstruction. I proposed an ultrasound-guided paracentesis to remove some of the fluid from her abdomen with the aim of relieving some discomfort. This normally straightforward procedure became difficult as she was obese and we couldn't see much aside from her solid pelvic masses. I couldn't seem to find a window to place my centesis needle. During this process, she complained the entire time. Finally, she refused the procedure and went for a follow-up CT, which is a computed tomography scan. To our surprise, it actually showed massive free air, likely a rupture of her previously distended colon. Well, I was really relieved I hadn't attempted a procedure on her, lest I be blamed for causing her intestinal perforation. The incident reminded me that no matter how challenging patients can be, we must remain 
we must maintain the utmost professionalism and do our best. If I had gotten flustered or been hasty, I could have made a mistake or attempted a procedure of marginal safety. Paradoxically, the encounter left me feeling really grateful. Taking care of the sickest patients is a gift, which has provided me an impetus to grow as a physician time and time again. Situations like these push me to communicate better, be more compassionate, and hone my skills every day. That said, daily encounters with sick patients can lead to emotional fatigue, even exhaustion, for some healthcare workers. For some patients, it's possible that nothing you do could possibly alleviate their suffering, let alone make them happy with your care. As physicians, we must realize that the patients we see may be going through some of the toughest moments of their lives. Beyond maintaining an awareness of the stresses involved in such work, we must take care of ourselves intentionally. Taking the time we need to recharge, complete life maintenance activities, and to simply rest. These are simple ways in which you can, quote, refill your cup as a physician. Despite the sometimes blistering pace of training, it's important to create a sustainable schedule once you become an attending. Otherwise, it can be easy to get overwhelmed by clinical demands. The next section is titled, The Challenge Bonds You to Your Family in Medicine. One of the upsides of the challenge in medicine is the camaraderie that often comes with them. Because members of your specialty share many of the same joys and pitfalls as you do, they can understand you in a way that others simply can't. When I curse under my breath, securing a difficult access in a tortuous vessel, my first assist is right there with me, sharing the pleasure and the pain. When your team completes a complex case with the help of a seamless communication scheme, you might feel as though you're part of a force larger than yourself. On the other hand, when a delay in patient transport means the whole team goes home late, you share in the frustration. In reality, the stressors in medicine extend beyond the threat of disease or complication to include increasing administrative oversight, decreased autonomy, and political and financial challenges. As you face these obstacles together, the relationships with your medical family members grow and develop. Dr. Annie Gill shares her own experience of bonding with her work family. She says, quote, challenging cases, patients, and life circumstances have bonded me to my people in medicine. This includes the technologists, schedulers, nurses, and of course, my fellow physicians. I feel supported by a truly wonderful team that is more like a family than friends. We always watch out for one another and try to give consistent answers to questions or consults in order to provide one another with support. We celebrate wins together and cry together when things do not go as we'd hoped. This group did not come together quickly nor by chance. It was carefully chosen. The relationships have developed over time and through our experiences together. It was such an honor to interview Dr. Gill for this book. And when it comes to the spill your guts section of chapter five, my favorite question is this. What concerns do you have around work-life balance as you become or contemplate becoming a proceduralist or surgeon? Heck, I dedicated my whole blog to this question. (laughs) So while some people may take issue with the wording I'm using, uh, some people debate whether work-life balance is a valid term or whether you prefer a different phrase. Some people say work-life integration is a better term or simply whether you use the word balance. I think you get my point. 
This topic is the entire theme of my blog that I started in 2018, and that can be found at tiredsuperheroine.com. The whole reason I started to write there was to share what it was like to actually be a woman in a field like mine. Um, There were too few role models at a time in which I was choosing my career, and I know this problem persists for a lot of you to this day. What does work-life integration actually look like? Well, that was a mystery to me as I trained to save life and limb in my specialty. I knew I would figure it out. I would figure out some sort of balance, even if I didn't have a female template to model myself after. My main concerns centered around feeling like a martyr. I didn't want to feel used up by my work. I wanted my work to be a vehicle for fulfillment and purpose, but also a vehicle to give me back the kind of steady support and lifestyle that I wanted for my life as well. I came from humble beginnings and I wanted to be more financially stable than my parents were. But I didn't want to work so much either that there was no time left to enjoy my life or my earnings. So hence the title of the book, Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own. It's really become a mantra. Uh, Don't get me wrong, in fellowship, there was little balance, so there's a season for everything. Um, And actually having very little free time in fellowship allowed me to live in an expensive city for fellowship. So I went to UCLA. I lived in Los Angeles for the year with my significant other at the time, now my husband. And the fact that there was limited time for leisure and spending was actually helpful, and we even saved a little bit of money that year. There were times to relax. I could relax on certain rotations, during which the day tended to end a little bit earlier than others, and I could relax on weekends when I wasn't on call. But on some rotations at the main hospital, I might not make it home until 11 p.m. And so this made for a very intense year of professional growth, and I can say I'm so grateful for it. Of course, I'm seven years later now, but even then, I was so grateful for it. I wouldn't call what I had that year work-life balance. There definitely is a time for intense training, and thankfully, training is finite. So you may relate to this, whether you're in medicine or not, you know, you may have an intense period in which you're cutting your teeth and really, really learning or really putting your nose to the grindstone. Um, And you may have some analogous situation. So I'm curious, feel free to reach out and let me know. Once you're an attending, you're a physician on your own, then there's the rest of your life. And um, also that's parallel with some other fields. So it's up to you to pick a job and a situation that suits you and the kind of life that you would like to live. There are lots of choices. You know, there are lots of jobs out there. Feel free to reach out to me if you ever want to clarify the spill your guts questions that you find in the book, Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own. Feel free to shoot me an email at tiredsuperheroine at gmail or you can send me a direct message on social media. If you're on my email list, please feel free to respond to those emails. I love hearing from you and it also prevents those emails from going to your spam inbox. I would love to hear your responses to those questions and your experiences if you care to share them. I hope that these questions really drum up some introspection and um, you know, some insight that you're holding within. Before I let you go, I wanted to let you know I'm working on the beta release, meaning the first ever iteration of my first digital course, which is called Broke to Breadwinner and Beyond. I'm in heavy content creation mode for this course for the next few months, 
and you can jump on board to get all my best strategies when you sign up right now. So if you'd like to do that, head to the sidebar of the blog on a desktop to comp- uh, computer. You can go to tiredsuperheroine.com forward slash blog or go to tiredsuperheroine.com and click on the menu to take you to the blog. And on the side there, when you're in a blog post, you can see uh, the link to get to the course, which is on the Thinkific platform. Or you can simply Google Broke to Breadwinner and Beyond. And on the course page, you can see uh, it's best if you Google Broke to Breadwinner Thinkific. And on the course page, you can actually see all the lessons that are planned, what they're all about, and you can even sign up to view the first lesson absolutely for free. All you need to do is enter your email there. So I hope you have a fantastic week and don't forget to check out the blog, check out the course, and don't forget to enjoy your own.